Oh, I know that redheaded singer, Ed Sheeran. Sure, yeah. He has a song. Um, um, when, you know, you have to before I save someone else, I have to learn to save myself. I haven't heard. Can you sing it for me? No. to the podcast i'm your host kev welcome to the first episode in 2021 um just as a bit of a trigger warning um we do talk about um mental health and suicide and a few other bits and pieces so journey made coffee is back for 2021 go to www.journeymade.com.au place an order whether or not that be beans or uh coffee making paraphernalia and use the code MYMATE for 10% off in your order. If you're enjoying the podcast up until now, leave a rating below. And as always, if you have any questions or suggestions, leave them in the comments below. So without further ado, this is my mate, Tegan. Tegan, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule. Thank you very much for offloading your kids for a little while. That's all right. <laughs> I'm sure my mother will be... Um tearing her hair out by the time I get back. <laughs> How old are your kids? Um, my oldest is seven and my youngest is five. They're both boys. How's that? Oh, it's absolute chaos. <laughs> We're just fighting, mum. It's fine. And I'm like, someone's going to get hurt. Can you please stop? No, it's fine. We're not going to get hurt. The youngest one has his leg wrapped around the oldest one's head. He's got his other leg up, and you know, the eldest is tapping out, the youngest one refuses to concede, and then it just goes from there, and next thing you know, they're crying. <laughs> he touched me there, he hit me in the nose, and then five minutes later, they're back into it, going, no, it's fine, we're not going to hurt each other this time. It just uh, it doesn't stop. Are they, are they past the stage of uh, enjoying video games and sitting down quietly and watching TV and stuff? Past the stage. <laughs> <laughs> They're launching straight into that. Oh, oh really? They. What's their favorite video game at the moment? At the moment, they started doing some sort of demolition derby thing on the computer, okay. and it's absolute. And it's one of those games when it's really hard to get out of it. So I finally get off it, and then I'm on there trying to exit, and then. To get out of it, you've got to get out of each individual sort of game bit. And then, it, you know, do you really want to exit? Are you sure? <laughs> do you want to exit this bit or the whole game? And it's just like, just get me out of it. Yeah. And it's got this annoying repetitive music that just goes on. We don't actually have a gaming gaming console mm -hmm. on the TV at mm -hmm. the moment. Like, we actually have a few stashed around the house from when my husband and I used to play. Sure. But we're not willing to put them on the TV just yet. Okay. No, that's we would fair enough. like to occasionally watch it ourselves. Yeah. I, um, I've noticed more and more that, um, so Alex is really quite into his video games. Mm. Um, but I've noticed things like even simple stuff like, uh, Mario Kart, like back when I was a kid playing Mario Kart, it was a super simple game. There was no online, there was no menus, there was no micro purchasing. It was just turn the console on, you'd play it with a whole heap of mates, you'd get cranky and that'd be it. Mm. But there's been many, many times where, you know, Alex has come to me saying that the game's broken. It's because he's gone into a menu and, you know, it's just super, super complicated. And, you know, there's online registrations and there's, you know, logging onto this and logging onto that. And it's, yeah, it's it's not so simple these days. Yeah, well, they have my tablet and they play on that. Mm -hmm. And they're constantly, we've had to lock, like, there's no card attached to it. So right, they can't pipe, yeah. They can't buy anything. Yeah. And they're constantly downloading new games, deleting games. And they'll come in to me and go, oh, we need to sign into this and do that. I'm like, no, you're done on that game. Yep. Find something else. And when we go somewhere else, they'll play <clears> Mario Kart. And they play Minecraft. And I think it's hilarious because my husband's all excited about the new PlayStation with the graphics <laughs> and, the, and the triangular <laughs> way they've done it so it looks more realistic and everything else. And my kids are here playing Minecraft, which looks like it's from the 80s. And yep. My husband's just drooling over these like Lara Croft <laughs> graphics where everything looks real and the lights light bounces off things properly. And we're like, oh, this is great. And my kids are playing Minecraft. Yeah. I'm like, this is so boring. It looks crap. I'm like, this is so great. <laughs> Minecraft is a really great learning tool, but... Oh, the, the five-year-old, ding, 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 look at my house, mum, look at my torches, look, I've done the windows glass here, and I've done this there, and I've got the waterfall over here, and I'm just like, oh, that's great, hon. Yeah. 
I've, I've noticed that uh, Minecraft is a really good example of this, which is that um, school these days and school was when you and I were at school as well, um, it, it revolves around a very, um, uh, a model of um, do, repeat, do, repeat, do, repeat, and then we'll test you and then do, repeat, which is fantastic. But there's no, I found that there's no individual problem solving um, there's no there's no outside of the box thinking and that's where minecraft now look i'm, I'm probably i'm probably uh, uh clutching at straws here because i'm such a nerd and i do enjoy video games but things like minecraft it gives you at the end goal the end goal is to craft a crafting table there's lots of different ways to do it and there's lots of different variables to get there as well and if you know if three or five or ten year olds uh, are thinking outside the box and thinking independently and realizing that there's consequences to not doing something or to doing something or anything like that. And they can get to the end goal and they do it in their own time and understand that the responsibilities of that, then I, I think that's fantastic. But again, look, I'm stretching because I'm a nerd. <laughs> well, I know mice who are playing in sandbox mode, mm -hmm. so they're not actually having to worry about resources and sure. things like that at the moment. Yep. But I think they are working towards that, at the ultimately working towards that kind of thing. Sure. Oh, very, very good. How was your Christmas and New Year? Oh, sick. <laughs> <laughs> I had one night out for my husband's birthday because he unfortunately was born on Boxing Day. I mm -hmm. uh, had one night out, had a few drinks, and because my body goes, well, you've drunk too much. You'll catch whatever it is going around town. And I was promptly sick for the rest of the holidays, uh... which was great. Because as you know, the weather has been absolutely abysmal for the entire holidays. Yeah. It's just been cold and raining. Yep. Which for us Australians is not what we expect for our Christmas holidays. No, it's certainly a contrast to this time last year, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> so last year we couldn't hang our washing out because it was smoky and we yep. couldn't breathe. And this year it was just wouldn't dry. It was wet. Wet. Yeah. Yep. So it's been a really hard for Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, I find Christmas is very hard for me anyway. Mm -hmm. Why is uh, that? Um, so being bipolar with Christmas, mm -hmm. I find I I love Christmas. Mm -hmm. I love buying presents. I love the trees, lights. I like most of the music, uh, the festivities, decorations, but I don't cope well with it sure i find that coming into it, i start to rapid cycle mm -hmm. which is um obviously going between being quite manic mm -hmm. to um going to being quite depressed mm -hmm. and for me rapid cycling can be waking up in the morning and being quite manic sure and then by that night being in tears and being quite depressed and it's really difficult for me it's even more difficult for my family and it's it's obviously it's quite good being in the manic state that I am at that point because it's a it's an energetic happy manic state. Sure. So I'm wonderful. I'm I think I'm wonderful. You are wonderful. I, I ring my mum up. I tell my mum how wonderful I am, how happy I am, what wonderful ideas I have, how wonderful the day is, that I saw a really nice dog that day. You know, it's just the most random conversations. Mum will tell me that they're random conversations. Actually, look quite looks forward to them. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't get a lot of really productive... Sometimes I get really productive things done. Sure. And then by that evening, I completely crash and burn. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, I might still be crashing and burning. And then the third day, I'll wake up and everything will be absolutely wonderful again. Sure. I'll go out. I'll spend a lot of money I don't have. <laughs> and then, you know, and I'll have everything sorted. Like, my husband's completely freaking out. Oh, God, I've got to buy this. I've got to buy that. I've got to sort out presents for this person, that person. And I'm like, oh, no, I've done that. He goes, he's like, what? No, I bought your mum present. I bought your dad a present. I did this. I did that. Don't worry about that person. Oh, and on this day, you've just got to do this. It's like, when did you do that? Oh, I did that yesterday. When did you have time for that? Oh, oh no, I just, just, I just did it. <laughs> yeah, but you were at work. Hi, Anna. <laughs> sorted. Productive. Multitasking. Oh, it's amazing. It's, everything just happens. And you're just like, well, easy. Don't know why I don't do this all the time. Honestly, I'm just super lazy and absolutely just retarded. <laughs> what I've been doing with my life. And then the next day you wake up, you're completely depressed. and like, this is what I'm doing with my life. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're useless. And it's just, you know, this weird cycle as you go through Christmas and sort of Christmas Day sort of hits and you're just like, oh, this is awful. Mm -hmm. Why are we here, you know? 
all this money we're spending on nothing and oh and then everyone posting all their Merry Christmas and look how pretty Christmas presents I have under the tree and aren't we wonderful and look at all the money we've spent on each other and all this other stuff and I'm just like, I'm just not going on social media at all. Everyone's like, Merry Christmas. And I'm like, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. <laughs> oh, it's just, I'm the most, I love Christmas. I just don't like people around Christmas. That's fair. And then we start, you know, everyone's like, oh, having a great time with family and doing this and doing that. I'm like, I hate everyone, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. <laughs> I just can't stand it. And everyone's, you know, my husband's like, oh, responding to messages from people and stuff. I'm like, put your phone away. Don't talk to people. They're awful. Don't talk to people. And he's just like, what is wrong with you at Christmas? I don't like people. <laughs> and it's even worse at New Year's. Mm -hmm. Everyone's on there, happy New Year. Oh, New Year, new me. I've got all these goals. I've got this. I've got that. I'm like, I hate New Year's. Don't like it. <laughs> the only good thing is that they blow stuff up at midnight. That's the only good thing about New Year's is that they set fire to shit. And my kids look at me and they're like, why don't you like New Year's? I'm like, I don't know. And I was talking to my mum. She goes, I don't like New Year's either. Your auntie doesn't like New Year's. Your other auntie doesn't like New Year's. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's genetic. Weird genetic thing, of course, <laughs> but still, none of us like New Year's. I still like the fireworks. I did uh, almost 10 years in hospitality and customer service. Oh, you don't uh, like New Year's either? No, Christmas and New Year. Um, unfortunately, I've seen the absolute worst people, mm. especially in Christmas. So it took me until my kid was three to actually start enjoying Christmas again. Mm. Um, and even then, like, I find that towards the end of the day, like, I have to have a nap. Not because of all the food, but because it just takes so much energy to be energetic for other people. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so going back to what you were saying, which is absolutely fantastic, um, you said that you are bipolar. So for the listeners that don't know what bipolar is, what is it? Oh, I'm um, sorry. It's a um, mental disorder. They don't actually know what causes it. Mm -hmm. So there's a few different. Yeah, okay. I can't even think of the word for it. Triggers? Um, no, they're not even sure what the triggers are. There's a few different ideas of what may or may not cause it. Sure. Some ideas that it may in fact be genetic. Mm, okay. There may be genetic dispositions for it. Just say uh, if you've got depression running in your family, uh, a trigger for it may be trauma as a child mm -hmm. or it may be environmental mm -hmm. as well. Uh, there's a, It obviously is a chemical imbalance in your brain. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, that is what bipolar is. Mm -hmm. So it's like the serotonin levels. Sure. Um, that's why... Usually you are medicated. Mm -hmm. That's what keeps people on an even balance. Yep. Like myself, yes, I have undergone therapy as an adult, but ultimately that doesn't stop the symptoms like the highs and lows. I mm -hmm. still have to be medicated. Yep. So for myself, I have antidepressants, antipsychotics, and mood stabilizers. Sure. And the thing is like, there's no one shoe fits all. Mm -hmm. So one person might be just on antidepressants and that antidepressant might make someone else really sick or will not fit that person at all. And there's so many antidepressants out there. Yep. I'm on antipsychotics, which I think are fantastic, but they may not fit certain people. Sure. And the same with, um, what was another question? Very short attention span sometimes. <laughs> like it's just amazing. Like when I'm in with my, um, psychologist she'll ask me a question and then she really just needs to sort of like you know corral me back into <laughs> what we're discussing because okay. we'll like go from one bit and it'll just be a complete squirrel moment and we'll end up off <laughs> another paddock that's all right okay so so bipolar it's uh, uh <clears throat> oh what is it yeah what is it what, what, okay. what are some, some of the symptoms okay so basically to be it's really hard to diagnose someone with bipolar as mm -hmm. well because it's not you're not constantly switching states sure. like because i said i was um rapid cycling before mm -hmm. which is not a normal sort of symptom of bipolar mm -hmm. like for me a trigger is obviously christmas a festive season because it's such a high emotional state and mm -hmm. it's not just um an emotional state for me but because it's a sort of a a national state of emotion like everyone's in it so you can't escape it it's everywhere it's on tv mm -hmm. it's in the shops it's at work so that's a big trigger. But um, 
as an emotional thing. So you to be tri- um, diagnosed with it, you have to have a period of mania mm-hmm. that exceeds over a week. Mm, okay. And the same with a period of depression. Mm-hmm. So mania is often described as being like very energetic. Euphoric even? Euphoric, definitely sure. euphoric. Very energetic, not needing sleep, um, mm. feeling of um, grandeur like... Um, let's see what's Kanye. You know how Kanye sort of goes, I'm the greatest person in the world. And so that kind of talk, that kind of actions is really sort of a manic high phase. Mm -hmm. One would, you know, if you wanted to point out a manic phase, that would really be a good example. Sure. Um, anger. There's, I didn't realize this until... I joined a group called The Mighty on Facebook. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good articles in there. Uh, there's a thing called bipolar anger. Mm-hmm. And it's, I have experienced it. It's one of the most weirdest things. You are angry. And it is not about anything in particular. Like, no one pisses you off. There's mm-hmm. nothing to be angry about. And it is, you are so angry. You can feel it burning under your skin. Like, you are furious. And there's no one's done anything. And it's the weirdest thing because you're so, so angry and you just want to absolutely explode. You just want to throw shit and just like go, like like someone losing their shit on Jerry Springer. Like you just want to start chucking chairs and just, you know, go nuts. And there's nothing you can do about it. Sure. But obviously some people give in to their emotions and do it and that will destroy your relationships around you. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, what's it called? Hypersexuality. Mm-hmm. Is another thing, uh, engaging in risky sexual acts. Mm-hmm. That can be obviously another one. Just trying to think, oh, spending lots of money. Yep. What about the lows? Oh, uh, well, a lot of people obviously know a lot about depression. That's something that is televised and well talked. covered. Well, well, very well, well covered. covered. Everyone talks about depression and getting out for help, Beyond Blue, Black Dog Institute, like. It's one of those things that everyone talks about. You know, if you're feeling down, you can always come around and talk to me. You can always, I'm always here, that kind of thing. And while that's really helpful and people say, you know, you can always come to my house, you can always talk to me. There's also a thing, self-care. Mm-hmm. And while I think it's great that you can always, you know, you're always saying that you are always there, sometimes you have to take that step back and say, while I'm always here, there is a point when you do need to seek professional help mm-hmm. and that you can't keep <clears throat> talk, calling on that one person mm-hmm. to help you. And at that point when you are always calling on that one person, you are always calling them out in the middle of the night, you are always expecting them to drop whatever they're ha- happening in their life and expecting them and putting that emotional strain on someone else who's not qualified to help you got to step back and go, at one point, what am I doing to this person? Sure. And say, actually, no, I do need to step back and actually get proper help. Yeah. There's a point where having beers is not enough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, with the depression part, for me, I don't reach out for help. I know. I. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, do you, how are you going, Tegan? What's up? I'm really depressed. Go away. <laughs> do you want to talk? No, go away. <laughs> I'm here if you need help. No, go away. So, yeah, I don't want help. Yes, I tend not to want help. I don't want to impose on anyone. I don't feel that I'm worthy of help. And just I suffer a lot of guilt when I'm depressed. Sure. I feel that I should be doing more. I shouldn't feel this way because I obviously I have a, a house. I have a husband who helps me. I have two very gorgeous healthy young boys who you know they've got nothing wrong with them they're both intelligent they've got so goddamn much energy (laughs) um you know i'm lucky enough to have a job yep i'm reasonably healthy when i'm not injuring myself like (laughs) (laughs) it's it's interesting the um the the, the the way or the the light that you shed on on depression and de- depression in general and, and the tone that you're taking because I have a tendency of, of taking the the same sort of approach to depression in general which is that 
Um, there's two sorts of depression. There's a clinical depression, which is a chemi- mostly a chemical imbalance, mm. um, which can be and should be medicated by professionals. Um, now, that's it's not very strictly that you have to be medicated, but no. ideally that's that's where that clinical depression lies. There's also another different sort of depression which people get, which I'm, I'm finding I'm... I'm being exposed to more and more because of COVID and isolation and stuff like that, which is more to do with um, environmental. Now, environmental may be um, being stuck at home by yourself or being stuck at home with a cat or something like that, but it's also being stuck at home with a spouse or a partner or, you know, if you're a single parent, a kid or something like that, and it's it's draining. It's, it's really, really hard, and that can also cause a different sort of depression. Now, that sort of depression, I, I don't think... Um, necessarily has to be medicated um a lot of that sort of stuff as you already alluded to can be if it gets to a point where it needs professional help then it needs professional help but uh, other than that it needs it needs some sort of lifestyle change and choices now unfortunately some people don't have that option it's people are much more fortunate now than just say when I was first diagnosed. Mm. So when I was first diagnosed, there wasn't a lot like this was when the internet was just sort of coming out. Mm. Like, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> How long ago were you diagnosed? So there's a few variations to this. So my memory is not very good. I don't know if that's got anything to do with the bipolar or the medications or anything. Sure. So in my mind, I was diagnosed when I was about 18, 19. Okay. So just after high school? Uh, so when I was 17, I went and lived in Germany for six months. So I had came back and repeated. So I finished high school when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Okay. In 2001? 2001. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So looking back on it now, I started having bipolar episodes when I was in Germany. So I would have been... 17, so it'll be in 2019. Mm-hmm. In 2019. How scary was that to be affected or starting to have symptoms while you're OS? I honestly, I just thought I was going a bit mad. I just, but yeah, I had nothing to compare it to. Like, I didn't have any anyone to really talk to. I had no, like, there was no popping on the internet to look shit up. There was mm-hmm. no one to talk to. There was no real TV to look at. With that, that was addressing these kind of things, like you know, you see it on TV now. We didn't see it on TV then. That's right. The late nineties was a was a like, it's it's nothing like it is now. Oh, it was pretty sugar coated. <laughs> <laughs> like now, you know, you, you've got things like um, oh, what's that show? Thirteen Reasons Why and things yep. like that. Like we did not have that. So we had things where you know the dorky girl had glasses and she wore a paint smock, and then suddenly she the cute guy took interest in her next thing you know she's like stunningly beautiful and everyone's like wow who knew the girl with glasses one was actually pretty so that's what we had and now these days it's like oh you know it's so much different we have so much more information out there that we can Mm. look at so when i was diagnosed it was there wasn't beyond blue there wasn't um headspace there wasn't all these sort of like bits and pieces out there that you could go to. So I got to see a psychiatrist mm-hmm. and it was covered for mm-hmm. me to actually go do it. Mm-hmm. And I was put on lithium. I was put on Zoloft, I think, which is, you know, one of the go-to yep. antidepressants. And and that was to regulate your moods or what? Because lithium's a... Uh... Lithium is straight off the periodic table. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a metal. <laughs> <laughs> um, it made me quite sick. To start off with, uh, I was on that until I was 30. And I have to say, I probably shouldn't have been on it that long. I don't think it really helped. But I, after seeing the psychiatrist those two times, I was never really monitored after that. I just had my GP mm-hmm. sort of up on my antidepressants and going, oh, yeah. Yep. And honestly, I think I should have been seen again by the psychiatrist or by someone else but sure. at i think it's something like i went to go see the psychiatrist again a couple of was it last year year before i was having a really bad time mm-hmm. and it was 320 dollars it's not cheap to see him the initial time and then it was going to be 260 dollars to see him after that now yep. i work part-time 
And I'm just like, I can't afford that. That's right. And they're like, well, you know, that's what it is. Yep. It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to go. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so I was on that to start off with and I was on that medication for a long time mm-hmm. and eventually changed my antidepressants when I was about 28. Mm-hmm. And then, because when as soon as I fell pregnant, I had to stop the lithium straight away because it causes, it causes birth defects. Of course, yep. And then when I was pregnant... I was very depressed, like I was suicidal, because obviously being pregnant, your hormones, poof, and then chucking being bipolar as well, it yep. was just horrible, and I was flagged by the mental health team, Sure, obviously high risk, and mm-hmm. then suddenly, oh shit, <laughs> yep. this is not good, so I spent, and then my, after having my oldest, there was a problem with the delivery, so I was in hospital for a long time, any, a week anyway. Mm-hmm. And there's a it was a psychiatrist that came up from Sydney once a month, mm-hmm. and she specialised in women who were pregnant and breastfeeding with bipolar. And that was great. She turned around and said, "I want to put you on antipsychotics." And of course, I'm like, "What? I'm not psychotic." And she's like, "No, no, 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 no. It's 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 it's, it's normal. It's it's a it's a new way of treating bipolar. Mm-hmm. It, it helps." Stabilize your moods and everything else. I'm like, but I'm not psychotic. Yeah. You can't put me on that. I'm not psychotic. Cause was, was, was this your first or second pregnancy? First one. Okay. Yep. Mm. And she goes, it's going to make you drowsy at night. And like, here I am, you know, completely zonked out anyway and completely freaking out. First baby, I'm breastfeeding and trying to, you know, get up during the night. I don't deal well with no sleep anyway, as most people with mental illness do, you know, struggle with sleep as it is. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, we'll put you on these. Eventually I gave in and did take them, and it did help. Obviously I struggled after I did fall into depression after having mm-hmm. my first child. And as far as I'm concerned, that, that winter was the darkest, cloudiest, wettest winter ever. It was just grey all the time mm-hmm. and cold and wet. The grass was grey, trees were grey, everything was grey. How many times did you consider taking your own life? Not once I had the baby. Okay. When I was pregnant, I considered it quite a few times. Did you get to the stage where you were planning it? I was planning on throwing myself out of the car on my home from Sydney. I think I completely freaked my husband out, obviously. Mm-hmm. I didn't, obviously, but still. And it's scary to look back and think, shit, I was going to do that. Sure. But with my second pregnancy, I was much more settled. Obviously, I was more medicated. Sure. And dealt with. And um, the mental health team was in touch with me throughout that whole pregnancy. And afterwards, like, I actually, like, being pregnant, despite the mental problems, I enjoyed being pregnant. Very happy to give birth. I'm one of those women that other women hate because, you know, my first delivery was 45 minutes and my second one was an hour 15. Like, I'm on probably would have gone to my fifth baby and sneezed and <laughs> shot a baby through the room. Like, oh. So, you know, I was pretty freaked out when okay. when, with, um, when I was pregnant with my second one. I was like, oh, maybe we should like stay in Bathurst, like yeah. close to my due date because I don't want to. Have delivery on the side of the road in between Oberon and... Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of freaking out and then... Because I had to have extra ultrasounds towards the end. They're like, oh, this is going to be a big baby, you know, at least nine pounds. And like, <clears throat> my first was really, really tiny. Yep. It was really small. And then I'm just like, what? No, yeah. no, no. That's, was it? No. Like, like, my second was really small. Mm. Both my boys are small. We got told exactly the same, that the, the kids in the 90th percentile weight-wise, it's going to be a ginormous <gasps> baby, blah, blah, blah. And oh. then he popped out at 2.6 kilos, mm. which is tiny. Yeah, both mine were really small. Ah. Now, my second one, I was huge. I got up to 92 kilos. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and from behind, you couldn't tell I was pregnant. But mm-hmm. out the front, I was huge. I was like, oh, I had like two basketballs in front of me. <laughs> and it was just all fluid. Yep. Yeah. It was just, he was just chilling in there. <laughs> like, he had the best time. <laughs> so that's, and that's totally freaked me out. And then out pops this tiny little baby. I'm just like, great. Because like my first, he didn't even fit into four, five zeros. Yeah. And then my second just fit into the yep. four zeros. Alex was the same. We've got pictures of him not long after birth in five zero. And they're just like the sleeves are out here. Yeah. And the, yeah. 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 Same thing. <laughs> do you still, do you still think about, you know, do you still have suicidal thoughts at all? Not now. Um, I did. I do now know that I have to keep my iron levels up. 
Because did you know that low iron levels can cause depression? No, but it wouldn't surprise me. So, Pam, what year are we in? 2021. 2019. Right after I... So here's another interesting fact before I pop into this one. If you do stupid things like big sporting events or... Which which you do. Which I do. <laughs> I used to do. I haven't done one for a while. Sure. Funny enough. Um, so if you do things like, I don't know, marathons, half marathons, ultra events like 50Ks or 100Ks, afterwards uh, it's quite common to have a small bout of depression if you're a um, normal-ish person. Mm, I've experienced it. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah, and if you're a not a normal-ish person, it's normal to slip into a slightly larger bout of depression. Sure. Uh, so I did a the Ultra Trail Australia 50k event in 2018. Mm-hmm. It's really hard at the beginning of the year to sort of like pop back years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 2018, I did that and then didn't really compensate enough for the lack of nutrients in my diet, I think, because like I quite often have low iron. And then I really started to slip into quite a bad bout of depression and then I started getting quite ill. So I had like this cough i started having heart palpitations i started having a lot of problems with my limbs Mm -hmm. not feeling right and like exhaustion and feeling really bad at that point i was having a lot of problems around me and then like this cough coming through and the doctor's like oh you're asthmatic i'm like i'm 36 years old i think i would have noticed if i was asthmatic before now it's it's, it's a very strange diagnosis even i admit that yeah i I think i would have it's weird, like, I've gotten to this age and ah. I've never, ever had a problem. Like, my mum's asthmatic. She would have said something by now. She even suspected I was. Sure. No, no, I think you're asthmatic. And it's just really weird cough and it would keep me up at night. But, yeah, and I started getting really, really depressed and I was so bad. Like, I was so close to just ending it all. And it was a really bad time and eventually I just went, that's it, and went to the doctor and said, I'm this bad. I see. He ended up sending me straight up to the mental health team at the Bathurst Hospital and they said, right, no, that's it. Um, They put me through to uh, Centre Care in Bathurst. Mm -hmm. Quite a good group in there. Actually, no, that's not what happened. Uh, There's a group next to Headspace. I can't help you with the name at the moment. I know the one you're talking about you because I've been head to head space. It's literally It's literally in the same right building. Yeah, yeah, in the, yeah. in, yep. And they had a thing and it was reaching out to people in the country to mm-hmm. come in and they had like a free eight session to talk to a counsellor. And I was at that stage when I'm like, I have to speak to someone. I need to speak to someone because I am so just losing my mind mm-hmm. and I'm so not alone, but I need to speak to someone who's completely impartial mm-hmm. and just get everything out there, everything off my chest and just be able to just decompress everything out and just, you know. And that's the thing. Yes, people say that they, they're there for you and they want to, you know, I'm here for you, come around, have coffee, you can talk to me and everything else. But sometimes it's better to speak to someone who doesn't know <clears throat> you, who can't speak to anyone else, who is completely and utterly impartial and who is there just for you. Mm-hmm. And then you can speak about everything. You have no shame. There's nothing you cannot (laughs) say to that person. Mm -hmm. And you're in a completely and utterly safe space. Because, you know, they're not going to turn around and inadvertently let something slip. They're not going to judge you for anything that you're saying. Because that is a complete and utter safe space. Mm -hmm. And that's what, when I try to tell people, you know, maybe you should go see someone or just speak to someone don't tell me you've got a friend that you can speak to. You can't ultimately tell them everything. And that's why it was so good going in to see this counsellor and being able to just let lay everything out on the table. Mm-hmm. And it, it did help. It also sort of raised some issues and some of me sitting there back and going, wow, um, all right, maybe I need to talk some more and obviously see someone further up. And there was a lot more doctor's visits, a lot more reviewing of my medication, a Mm -hmm. lot more upping my medication, which is fun because then obviously your body's suddenly like, oh, shit, what? Reassessing and then having blood tests and then them going, oh, wow, your iron's like really, really, really low. So we're going to send you straight up to the hospital and get like a transfusion put in. Mm -hmm. And then you get up and the doctor's up there going, well, 
you know what? I should have reviewed this and I'm not happy about giving this to you. And then I'm just there in tears going, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, just sit down and we'll do this. <laughs> and then you sort of get it done and then and then they're like, oh, you're going to feel like shit in two days. And I'm like, that's all right. And then two days later, oh, my God, I'm dying. <laughs> but then after that, you know, you're sort of like, oh, wow, hang on. What happened? I feel, I feel good. And then I stop coughing and then I'm like, oh. Better get some iron tablets. <laughs> so now you're on iron tablets. I take iron tablets on and off. Mm-hmm. So I don't take them all the time because then my body starts feeling really shit. So mm. it's like you can't win either way. Yep. So like every other day I take one. Yep. Are you a vegetarian or vegan or anything like that? No. Okay. <laughs> no. No. I've just, I, I, I've just, I, I know that um, people that choose to be vegetarians or vegans and stuff like that, they have a lot of disposition to... It's hard to get enough nutrients from just sort of having one food source, yep. really. No, I'm not. I used to be a huge meat eater, like, you know, like to eat a lot of steak and stuff like that. And now my body's like, no, nah, no, I don't like this. So now it's like, uh, I've sort of got a bit indifferent to food now too, especially after Christmas. My body's like, no, we don't like food. That's fair. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> we don't like food anymore. Great. So how did um, you were diagnosed when you were, very, when you were reasonably young? I'm, I'm not going to say very, very young because we, we're both the same age and that just makes us sound incredibly old. But well, I suppose, like, well, I don't think 18 is young, let's face it. Like, it, when you're 18... It's, it's 20 years ago. That's, no, that's a long time ago. Yeah, but when you're 18, you think you're an adult and, frankly, I think you're culpable for your actions. I don't think we should call 18-year-olds kids. I when my agree. child is 18, I'll still think of him as a kid, but I'll still hold him real culpable for his actions. I agree. I, I don't think that's in debate. Um, so how did it affect your... Because you, when did you start seeing your husband? I was 22. So not long 21. after you were diagnosed. How old was I? I could have been 21. Okay. So how how has bipolar affected your relationships? Not just your partner, but with your family as well. Um, my family's always been pretty fine. Like, I've always been, I suppose, moody. <laughs> but I come from quite a moody family, sure. so I I always say I'm the most um, calm female out of, out of my family come from a very strong female line, quite fierce female line, I'd say. Cool. So I'm the calmest. So that doesn't make you scared. Nothing will. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, everyone's always been fine. Like um, my family's always been quite open about mental health mm-hmm. and <clears throat> no one's ever really had much of an issue about it. Mm-hmm. There was one stage when my mum was talking about sending me to live with my auntie for a bit in the UK Mm -hmm. and she did make a comment about, you know, oh, well, she's a bit mentally unstable, which my mum was um, a bit ferocious about. Sure, as I probably would be too. Mm -hmm. And then we're both like, well, screw that. And that was the side against it, obviously. Mm -hmm. But... Besides that, everyone's always been fine. Like my grandparents, you know, you think older English couple have always been perfectly fine and always said they love me no matter what and I've always come from a very accepting family. Okay. And your husband and kids? My husband's always been fine with it. I think I've nearly told him like on the, like the second or third date. Like I'm just such a... I often have absolutely no control of what comes out of my mouth. <laughs> and I think sometimes that scares him. Sure. <laughs> because I can see him sometimes giving me the side eyes. Like, <laughs> well, but there'll be this conversation happening. You can see him suddenly go, oh, shit. <laughs> and then I'll be like, nah, it's all right. I'm, th- I'm thinking today. I'm conscious. I'm like consciously thinking I'm not going to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there will be times when I'm just like, I'm just talking today and this will be fun. We'll just see what happens, where this goes. Because you have bipolar, do you find yourself hypersensitive to other people that um, not only 
uh, have bipolar but just mental health problems in general? Um, I sometimes think I'm a bit insensitive. Okay, sure. Because I'm, I suppose you call high functioning, um, which means, you know, I obviously hold down a job generally and um, obviously clean my house to a degree. Um, <laughs> I clean it. I don't keep it tidy. So, you know, slight difference there. And have held down a relationship and had kids and everything. But I think to a degree I have a lack of sympathy for people who do refuse to get help mm. while constantly saying that they have a problem. So when you hear people going, oh, I have anxiety, I can't do this, I can't do that, rah, 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 and then it's like, well, have, have you have you gone to this service or have you tried these people, like this service is free or yep. these people are really good? Oh, no, I'm not going to go do that. It's like, well, why don't you go to your GP and see who they refer you to? Yep. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. It's like, well, you're saying you have anxiety. Have you been diagnosed? Have you seen this person? Or maybe you could try this place. No, I'm not doing that. It's like, well, have you... Have you been somewhere? Have you tried anything? Mm-hmm. No. It's like, well, maybe you should. Like, have you tried any being put on any medication? No. Yeah. Well, how do you know you have anxiety? Oh, I just know. It's like, well, maybe you should try to get some help. So people who refuse to get help make me really annoyed mm. when they sort of jump up and down with that kind of thing and then refuse to even get any sort of diagnosis or help. Yeah. But keep posting about it or saying that they do. Yeah. Do you, do you think that that's some sort of um, uh, self, sort of like a you setting boundaries, maybe subconsciously, because you're trying to protect yourself as well? Because those sort of people I've personally found just because I'm getting older, I find that I've only got a finite finite amount of energy. Now I I would prefer to spend that energy on my kid, mm-hmm. and it takes a certain amount of energy for me just in general every day to function. These sort of people, they, they seem to suck energy. They really seem to suck energy. Now, Absolutely. some people are worth it and there's a lot of people that I will, I will give them a certain amount of energy, an initial sort of amount of energy, like you just said, you know, have you, have you thought about seeking professional help? You know, there's this phone number, there's this phone number, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Much past that, I start putting up boundaries because I used to be the person that used to give them all my energy. I would call them every day. I'd message them every day. Yep. And my personal mental health started really suffering. My yeah. relationships, my per- my own mental health started suffering. And it got to a point where, and it took me a very, very long time to learn those boundaries that I couldn't save any, everyone. Um, everyone isn't necessarily, everyone doesn't necessarily need saving. What they need is to be accountable for whatever they're going through and take the certain steps to help themselves first. Well, see, there's a certain amount of self-care for yourself. Like mum just said, you know, there's that, um, oh, you know that red-headed singer, Ed Sheeran? Sure, yeah. He has a song, um, um, when, you know, you have to, before I save someone else, I have to learn to save myself. I haven't heard it. Can you sing it for me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even think of the words at the moment, but he's like, before I save someone else, I've got to learn to save myself. Sure. Yep. And that's the biggest thing is I... For a long time, and I know people thought that was weird, I'm quite happy to go play soccer. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to go referee. Mm-hmm. But I will quite often not go out and I won't go to parties and things like that because that expends too much energy. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the next day I will feel like shit in the day after. And it takes a lot of energy out of my mental health. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, that's the same thing with these sort of people. If they won't take any sort of steps after that initial help from you to help themselves, you can't keep giving them your support Mm -hmm. if they won't do anything because eventually they'll just keep sucking you dry and then you will eventually find yourself needing help as well. Yeah. And then you're going to withdraw your support and then they're going to make you feel like the bad person because you're suddenly having to take care of yourself mm-hmm. and you can't keep doing that. Yeah. Have you heard the, the cup analogy, the mm-hmm. cup analogy with energy? Maybe. So everyone's, everyone has, you know, a handful of cups and they're all full of energy mm-hmm. and those certain cups are for, you know, uh, one's for job, one's for home life, one's for being a parent. Now that, that parent one for me, 
gets sucked dry very, very quickly. But the, the so everyone has lots of different cups. Now, if you give someone your energy, you uh, end up emptying your cup. Now, if you empty that cup and you start giving them more energy than that cup will hold, the energy gets start starts getting sucked out of other cups as well. Um, and I was told very, very early on, and it, it was a very, very harsh lesson for myself in that um, I need to um, I, I need to focus more on self care as a parent um, because I, I, I can't be a good parent if I if if I'm a shit. And and I, I was finding that I, I especially because Alex is our firstborn, I wanted to do absolutely everything. I wanted to be there for him twenty four seven and all that sort of stuff, which is absolutely fantastic. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I was finding I was wearing myself down to a point where I couldn't function at all. So I had to find a happy medium, and that took a long time to do. And I think it was I think it came from that um, that I started realizing that I do need to start setting boundaries with a lot of different people as well, because Mm. it was exactly the same. Like I was finding that, um, you know, they were sucking energy and yeah, I didn't have enough energy to look after myself. Yeah. See, I, I, um, through all this therapy and stuff, I had to look at myself and make assess myself. So Mm -hmm. my psychologist is very much like, you're very Mm self-aware. It's like, well, I drive a hundred Ks a day. So I have a lot of time to, um, Mm -hmm. assess and so, like, you're talking about my relationship with my husband and with, with being bipolar. So he knew quite early on. Mm-hmm. And he's been remarkably good. Like, it's n- would not be easy for him at all. Like, when I'm manic, I can be very self-absorbed because, you know, obviously I'm doing something really fantastic that I must be doing. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what it is like you know i could be reading a book and it's really fantastic it's very necessary that i'd be reading this book or that i should in fact be washing windows or whatever it is that i'm doing it's very important yeah and it's difficult for him because i might have all this energy and i'll be like pinging around the house and let's do this and let's do that and let's watch this and hey why don't we stay up and do this so then i might be depressed and i'll just be sitting there crying and he'll be like what's wrong and like it must be so hard for him just sort of come home and be just like oh god i hope today's a normal day (laughs) and then of course then he comes in and then i might be washing up and just be loose like completely dead and then the kids are just like dad 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 look at this dad no no not him no dad 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 hey chicken how's it going it's okay and so he does deal with it pretty well. Like, obviously, he struggles as well. Mm-hmm. And I think, all in all, ev- everyone in our house is reasonably mentally health aware. And the kids deal with it okay. So, obviously, they do see me in tears. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll be like, you know, mum, what's wrong? And so it's really hard to sort of explain to them. Yeah, You can't say, well, mum's in a depressive state at the moment, boys. Everything. And, like, I don't... Even when I'm really depressed, I don't think life is shit, which is is weird, I know, because you're depressed. So mm. most people are like, oh, I'm depressed, life's shit, this is awful, rah, rah, rah. So I feel really, it's very a conflicted state in the fact that I don't feel that life is shit. I feel depressed and I feel like my heart is breaking and my chest hurts mm-hmm. so much and you mean sucked into the ground and it's awful, but it's... And then you also have guilt associated with that? Yeah, so for me, depression is a lot of guilt. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel guilty that I'm depressed. I feel guilty that I haven't done this, that I haven't amounted my life to more or I haven't painted the house and then the back deck party hasn't been done properly or something. Like, it's just the most random shit guilt mm. as well. Like, it's not just specific guilt. It's just stupid things as well. And then the kids are like, why are you so sad? And it's just like, basically, I just tell them, you know, mummy has a sad heart. Like, sure. I can't break it down more than that. And, you know, they, they accept that, you know, mummy has a sad heart today. And that's the best I can do for them. So they accept that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, usually that's the group hug time. And we get together, the group hug, we're fine. I dry my tears. I pull my shit together until they go to bed and work through it from there. Yeah. So they're pretty... Aware, they're pretty good. When I'm happier, it seems, obviously it works better for the family. <clears throat> but then, like, 
if bipolar, you're not manic all the time. You're not yep. depressed all the time. You have these beautiful periods of normalcy, mm. which is great. Are you you were saying before that bipolar has a tendency of being genetic? Are you worried about your kids having it? Oh, I'm terrified that my kids are going to be have bipolar or they're just going to have depression. Like depression runs in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, don't have any. Oh, well, as far as I know, we don't have any other specific types of mental illness. Sure, but we do have diagnosed depression. Mm-hmm. Because you and I are about the same age and we grew up going transitioning from the late 90s, which was a dark period in mental health awareness in general, mm. to the early 2000s to late to where we are now, which was oversaturated to do with mental health. Mm. Um, do you think that you're going to be better equipped if your kids do turn out to be either bipolar or have some sort of mental health? Do you think you're going to be, you're saying before that you're um, you're a little bit, cold towards mental health in general or no i don't think i'm cold towards it in general i'm more cold towards the fact if people refuse to get help sure yeah yeah. yep so do do you think that you're going to be better equipped if your kids do turn out to have some sort of mental health i think yeah i think definitely more proactive Mm. and yeah better equipped especially since there's so many services available sure so like before there was nothing Go yep. to your doctor. There was one psychiatrist in town. Actually, I think there still is one psychiatrist. There's not even a psychiatrist in town. No, not here in oh, Bathurst. Oh, right. You can actually, no, through the doctor here, mm. the, you can do a video link. Telehealth, one. which I think personally is, it's better than nothing, but I it's think it's still bullshit. It's better than nothing, bullshit. but it's still awful. Yeah. And it's... um Because sometimes all it is is just that, that human-to-human interaction of having a chat, as you alluded to before, with someone that's completely impartial. You can completely word vomit. Mm. But if you're talking to someone on a TV, it's just not the same. It's not the same. And it also depends on how it's set up as well. Like if you've ever had to um, do the whole video link to say with um, Bloomfield, Mm -hmm. to say you're up at the hospital, it's um, a video screen which is set up at like a six foot four height. (laughs) And you're sitting down in the chair. Yeah. Staring up at this video link, and it's the most intimidating thing you have ever done. And you, you, it's you can almost imagine just like this bright light shining in your face as well. Like it is the worst thing in the world. And they're asking you all these questions, and you're just like, I just want to fucking go. Like this is the worst thing ever. Like that scene from um, oh. Chicken Little. Yeah, pretty at, much. At the end of it, honey, you using a scary voice again? Yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> And you're just like, yep, okay. And they're like, just stay there. We'll be right back. It's like, where the fuck am I going to go? Like, they're not letting me out of here. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, very, very good. So 2020 was obviously a very challenging year for everyone. Oh, I had a great time. <laughs> Everyone's like, it was the worst year ever. I'm just like, honestly, not much changed for me at all. <clears throat> so I was one of the really lucky ones because my life did not change. And it was really funny because I um, I felt reasonably the same. And I remember doing a Facebook post, which I know how much you love and hate Facebook. But part, cast your mind back. I'm, I wrote a Facebook post about um, a shout out to people with mental health problems mm. and how that all their life they've been dealing with it. And basically 2020 was the year of people that had suffered from mental health problems in the past. This was their time to shine because we get to show people that, Hey, guess what? Life shit. You 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 still got to do it, and these are the steps to do it, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it was um, yeah. <laughs> well, it was really interesting because all these people are like, oh, I can't leave the house. Like, I just want to go out to the pub. It's like all these people suddenly realised that their whole identity was literally going out and socialising and, like, going out and having coffee and going out and having drinks and going out and having dinner or going to the movies or being seen socially. It's like, that's your whole identity was literally being seen socially. It's like, mm-hmm. did you ever pick up a book? Mm. Or, like, I know this sounds weird, but did you ever think about crocheting or cross-stitching or, like, painting or colouring in or, like, any of these things? Making sourdough. All these people start the making sourdough. <laughs> Like, all these things I grew up doing, like, and everyone's like, oh, well, that's such an old lady thing to do. And now suddenly everyone's like, look, I'm crocheting and I'm doing this. And I'm just like, 
why weren't you doing this before? Why were you expending so much energy and money into going out? And all these people saying they couldn't buy houses. It's like, yeah, because you're spending like 150 bucks a night going out. Yeah. I, I found myself, I, I wouldn't, uh, look, I'm a fairly salty person to begin with, but I felt, I found myself kind of bitter as well throughout 2020 because of exactly the same reasons. You know, people are, you know, uh, I, things, things that people would tease me about, they're suddenly, you know, they're suddenly doing, you know, oh, there's this whole wonderful world of comic books. And, you know, we're sitting down and watching, have, have, has everyone heard about anime, Japanese anime? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. used to get beaten up for it as a kid. And guess what? Yeah. Now you're finding it. It's fantastic. Well, it's like reading. I love reading. Mm-hmm. I've always loved it. And people are like, oh, I'm reading books. Oh, you know, you can get them on tablets. And there's like, there's like audio Not books. Really? And they're like, you people are retarded. These things have been around for ages. It's weird things. And then people are like, oh, I can't go to the gym. I'm like, you know, there's like online things. I'm like, oh, wow, there's like online yoga. And there's these things you can do at home. I'm like, yeah. So all these people are suddenly discovering they can do things at home. And like all, the, all of the people like me have been doing things at home this whole time. And then yep. so I'm like, oh. I don't actually have to leave my house. Like, I feel really sorry for people who live in apartments and have kids and things like that. I feel so sorry for them. That would have been incredibly hard. It sucks. But if you're a single person living in your apartment, oh, God, can you imagine it? This would have been great. <laughs> Zoom meetings, getting up when you... Yeah, I know. Look, I've, I've got a couple of friends and they're... That, look, admittedly, they are a little bit sheltered, right? They live in the city. They're single. <laughs> they live in a little shoebox, little concrete shoebox, their little apartment. They would get up at seven o'clock in the morning or half past six and, you know, they would they would have their shower, get their suit on, go and have their coffee on the way to transport. And they'd spend an hour and a half public transport. Oh, my God. Doing whatever, go to the office. And because they, they work such long hours, that was their social life. They would, they would congregate and, and have lunch with all their friends at work and work to whatever time, then come home to an empty house and do all that sort of stuff. Now, they're finding that... They're waking up at exactly the same time and they're just sitting there going, what the fuck do I do now? Yeah, you know, oh, painting and oh, <laughs> I have so an hour things. and a half that I, I normally would be sitting on public transport until I work, start work. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> I'd still be asleep. I'm dreadful. I hate getting up in the morning. I'm so not a morning person. <laughs> you see, I've had relatives say, why don't you move to the city? Mm-hmm before in the past why don't you you and your husband move to the city and i'm like no nah, we're real country people we don't like mm-hmm. like being so surrounded by people and like with our with what we earn we wouldn't have a house we'd have an apartment somewhere and yep. we'd have people living around top of us wouldn't have a yard yep. they're like oh yeah but you'd get better jobs and you know you wouldn't be living up there with all those rednecks and rah, rah, rah. <laughs> And i'm just like eh. but up here you know i can i can go for a run at night with my headlamp and like if I if I feel like I'm in danger, I can just like jump up on someone's front porch and knock on the door and they'll let me in, they'll help me. Mm-hmm. Whereas I wouldn't go running at night mm. in Sydney, mm-hmm. anywhere. Like Sydney, great, greater Sydney area, I should say, because I do get chipped by some people who live down there. It's like, this isn't Sydney, this is rah, rah, rah. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> anywhere from like that river down is sure. Sydney for me. And they're like, why don't you live down here? It's like... Well, you know, 2019 kind of just like puts it into place why we don't live down here because while you guys, everyone's been freaking out by this pandemic, you know, up here we've been... Relatively? Relatively not too bad. Like, Mm -hmm. I know I had a few days where I did, in fact, work from home, Mm -hmm. kind of. Well, you know, it's a bit hard to work from home with the kids racing around the house. I could imagine. Few Zoom meetings, like I had like the, the fake background, oh, of course, and then there's like I've got my headphones in, and then you see like this kid's head popping <laughs> the side, and they'll be like, Can they see me? and I'm like, Yes, and then they see this kid go, Oh, and then pop out, and then I'm usually on mute because you see my head facing sideways and like usually yelling <laughs> at someone on the side. <laughs> And then I'll be like trying to take notes. I go, no, you can't put that, put that down, put that down. No, no, no. And like our dinner, our um, staff meetings usually right about when I start thinking about dinner. Mm-hmm. And it's just, no, you can't have that. No. And then usually you'll see like a packet of teddies appear in front of my face. And I'm like, get that out. <laughs> Being an ex-Sydney boy myself, I get asked constantly, 
uh, if I ever think about moving down back down the city or anything like that. And um, the, the, the unanimous answer to that is, you know, living in the city definitely has its perks. Mm. Um, it ticks a lot of boxes. Um, living out here also ticks a lot of boxes. And it just so happens that the boxes that living out here tick are a little bit more important to me at the moment. Like you said, you know, um, you would have to work two jobs or have one incredibly well-paying job to even afford to live down there. And it would be a very small house with no yard. Um, you know, it's it, for me, it's not even about the running. It's about, about having the yard. It's about the quietness. And, you know, I, I, I love getting back down there. Um, I miss a lot of my friends. Um, I miss the food. Mm. Uh, I love the food down there, the, the diversity and the variation in food. Um, but in saying that as well, you know, I, I don't think I'd give it up for, for what we have here. So, Well, that just makes it a nice treat when you do go away. Absolutely. food. You're straight out. You're like, right, food. <laughs> <laughs> so what does this year have in store for you? Um, changing jobs, cool. probably, maybe. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing huge. I think um, I am registered to do another UTA 50K. Okay. I have not run at all this year. <laughs> I'm so undertrained. I'm going to die. <laughs> It'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll get it done. It'll I'm, sure be fine. You will. I'm sure you will. <laughs> um, you know, it's just pure perseverance, really. It's just stubbornness. You just one foot in front of the other. Uh, probably won't be in quite as good a time as I did last time, but I'll get it. I'll, I'm sure I'll beat the cutoff. Mm-hmm. Just, you can do it walking. Okay. I didn't run the whole time last time anyway. Do you find after everything that you've been through, it's just there's a lot of perseverance and a lot of stubbornness that's gotten you through? Yeah, well, in the end, you just got to keep going. Like every, I oh know it sounds cliched, but every day is a new day. Like every morning is a new day. And you just, there's always going to be something that you do enjoy doing. Like I've been playing soccer for over 20 years now mm-hmm. and I love it. Like there's been years I've absolutely hated it. Mm-hmm. Not hated playing. I've hated playing with my team. Mm-hmm. I've hated certain parts of the competition and last year I loved it. New club, new team, had a great time. It was fantastic. So I'm playing with that club and most of that team again this year. Cool. As far as I know. And I'll be refereeing again, Mm -hmm. which is exhausting, which is, can be quite entertaining. (laughs) You get some interesting characters. I'm sure. You can get some real dummy spits, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> I suppose, it, I suppose with, uh, with two boys, you're used to tantrums, but... Oh, it's just sometimes, especially with the men's games, it, it can be quite good. Like, most of the men know I don't like excessive swearing. Like, you know, the occasional F word's okay, but when they get really excessive, I'll, like, look at them. And they may not notice, but one of their teammates will notice, and they'll be like, Oi, she doesn't like you swearing. And like, I don't say anything. I just look. And then occasionally I pull out the mum finger. I'm like, no. <laughs> the mum finger. The mum finger. <laughs> That's not acceptable. We're not doing that. And they're like, oh, sorry, miss. 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 I get called miss. Like, I don't, uh, sometimes there's ref. Occasionally there's ma'am. And I always pull up ma'am. I'm like, no, ref is fine. Thank you. Ref is unisex. Ref. <laughs> but I do get miss. And miss. I'm like, where did miss come from? Like, ref. Just miss. Why miss? Yeah, so refereeing, soccer. I'll have to add ma'am to the, the list of names that I'm not allowed to call you. Yeah, definitely not ma'am. I hate it. <laughs> Walked up to a polling booth, pre-polling booth. Mm-hmm. When was that? Three years ago? Four years ago? Excuse me, ma'am. Uh-uh, no. You do not call me ma'am. <laughs> and just walk past and the poor girl stand there with her mouth open. I'm just like, no, nah, I'm not taking that. <laughs> um, I think I've got a wedding if that goes ahead. And I'm hoping to do a Spartan race. Cool. Because I do actually have season pass from last year. It's been transferred over to this year, but... Yeah, yeah. I was registered for last year and it didn't end up happening because we had to end up... Um, God, I can't remember what happened. I think we had a call. 
Was that for Oberon? I can't, yeah, for Oberon. Yeah, because anyway. I snapped the tendon in my ankle the weekend yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, I just I just gave up. I was just like, you know, it is just not. You would have been out at. That wasn't general case. You would have been somewhere else. Black Springs, mm. I think. By that state, the whole the whole place. Whole just... everything was on fire. <sighs> anyway, yeah. Mm. Anyways, cool, cool. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I'm not really planning a lot for this year. I'm just hoping I'm fit enough to get through soccer. Okay. Because last year just. Demolished me after snapping that tendon. Mm. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not you agree with me or not, you're an extremely interesting person, so I'd love to have you back on. Okay. <laughs> I like talking. That's fine. The enthusiasm. So much enthusiasm. No, so I'm tired now. So that's what happens. It's okay. Look, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule. That's all right. Thank you, Mum, for me as well, which is not a mum joke. It wasn't meant to be a mum joke. So... Thank you very much for joining. No worries. <laughs> I'll catch up with you another time. Awesome.